All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 233 of the DFO Rundown brought to you by Batano. 19 plus, please play responsibly. The game starts now with Batano. I'm Jason Greger. Happy belated uh, Canada Day and happy uh, early Independence Day, depending on which side of the border. Or if you're living uh, uh, elsewhere across the uh, the world and tuning in, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, we know we have uh, listeners from uh, all over the globe as uh, hockey is a rather uh, global sport. So uh, Hope you're having a wonderful Monday. We're recording this on July 3rd, a few days into uh, free agency. Uh, Frank, it's been a, it's been an interesting uh, 48 plus hours, if we want to call it that so far. Uh, not even, I guess, for uh, for free agency. Um, let's start with, well, let's start with the positives. On uh, Is there one, do you have a few favorite signings early on? Yeah, I think there's a few teams, Jason, that did some really good business over the opening of free agency made a lot of really smart bets. And I know that the Toronto Maple Leafs were being criticized uh, at the start of free agency for their lack of activity. Well, Brad tree living sure made up for that on Sunday with uh, the pair of one year deals that he signed um, in Max Domi and, and Tyler Bertuzzi. Now I think those not to focus on the Leafs, but I think those are two of the best signings of the free agent period. When you consider you've got the second best free agent available, according to our board, and you have him now become a better version of Michael Bunting, who they said goodbye to, it just makes a lot of sense. So then you add Max Domi on top of it, not just as a guy that put up 56 points last year, and was a really nice piece for the Dallas Stars in the playoffs. But then consider the Leaf connection with his dad, Ty, and and how nicely that seems to fit. And you don't have to add in 
any extra term on top of it, you can sort of go as you may and be flexible. I think those are two enormous wins. And we were talking, you know, before the, the draft week started about how the Leafs, oh man, they're in this spot where they're not really changing a whole lot. And now here we are also adding John Klingberg on Saturday and this Leaf team all of a sudden feels pretty different. Uh, very different. Uh, I think for me, the best free agent signing was Matt Duchesne, one year, $3 million. This guy scored 86 and 56 points the, the last two seasons. Uh, he goes into Dallas. You know what? It doesn't have to be on their first line. Heck, he might be in their third line at, at, at times, but I think has has the offensive smarts on a team that feels uh, they're competitive to win right now. Three, like even if Matt Duchesne only scores 56 points again for 3 million bucks, that's a heck of a heck of a deal. It's a one-year deal. And so Matt Duchesne, he doesn't really lose any money from the buyout because he gets it all back. And uh, if he has a good year, well, now he's a free agent again next summer when the cap goes up substantially. So this is one where it's a little bit of a bet on himself, but uh, he goes to a team that's competitive. And I really like that signing for the Dallas Stars. I, I think if I'm looking at value per dollar for point, that one might uh, be, end up being the best one uh, of the of the summer for me. Oh, it's I love it too because the stars. <clears throat> you, you see, you saw the guys they brought in there. Domi, we just talked about. They clearly needed help on the wings. I talked to Jim Nill right before uh, we were leaving Nashville, and and that's he said I'm going to try and be active to get a winger to add to our top six, and whether you put Duchesne at center, or you put him on the wing, he's played more wing of late. It's the perfect fit. A guy who's going to be hungry to then cash in the following year in free agency. And he goes to a really good team with talented players that you're right. Can he get back to the level he was at two seasons ago? Even if they only get what Nashville got from him this season for that price point, it's an absolute steal. It's a bargoon, as I like to say. Yeah, no, I, I quite like that deal a lot. And you know, but before we get to the the head scratcher ones or ones where I'm I'm curious about, um, a few teams still haven't done uh, a whole bunch. Uh, now we know the Calgary Flames entered free agency, uh, really not having any any cap space to do a whole bunch, and they haven't. Um, so the big question, I'm sure, for Flame fans, are you hearing anything on the trade front? It's been a little bit quiet on the trade front. I don't think that they've had anything active going and. You know, it's interesting between the Flames, what's lingering out there with Eric Carlson, and also the work that the Winnipeg Jets still have to do. It's July 3rd, and this is normally the time of year when everyone begins to put their phone down. And I think these next few weeks are going to be really active in terms of trade talk and trying to sort out these things. What do the Winnipeg Jets do with Connor Hellebuck? Does Elias Lindholm end up signing in Calgary? And if not, is he somewhere on the move? Um, and then what about Eric Carlson? There seemed to be some suggestion about the Carolina Hurricanes. I think the team that has the best shot, if they want to pull it off, is the Seattle Kraken. I don't think Pittsburgh and Toronto are still in the mix. And, you know, even just going back to Carolina, like – I like what Carolina did this offseason to this point. But didn't San Jose just get away from having Carlson and Burns together? Why would yes. you then put them back together again and then ham up your cap? I doesn't 
I get that he's a game breaker and I get that maybe think back to our conversation with Eric Tolsky a few weeks ago, where he said certain guys we think will look really good in our system. Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's their calculus, but I don't know why you'd go down that path again. Yeah. Burns and, and Carlson. It's almost like two alpha dogs on the right side. I'm, I'm not necessarily sold. It works. I, I think though, that they would have more success together in Carolina than they did in San Jose just based on the, the rest of the team uh, around him. I think the defensive system that they play uh, in Carolina right now is definitely better than what they had in San Jose last year. No question about it. So um, I watched that and, you know, you mentioned Seattle. So Seattle let go three forwards who left in free agency. Every one of them signed for $2 million elsewhere. So, you know, they replaced one of them with Kyler Yamamoto. They saved a, a half a mil. They still got 12 million in cap space for this coming season. And they you know, also they, they, lost Carson Soucy. Yep. And they they still need a new contract for Vince Dunn and Will Borgen, among others. So now they did bring in Brian Dumoulin to kind of replace Susie, right? So um, I look at a replacement that is a downgrade. Yeah. See, I like Dumoulin as a defender, but um, I think Dumoulin really lost a step and really, really, really struggled for the Penguins last year. Yeah. And that happens. I wonder if he's banged up. But man, when they were now, granted, it's five, six years ago now, but man, when they were winning cups, he was so good. (laughs) on the mm-hmm. blue line, the penguins. I do. I'm curious about Seattle and, you know, let's say like, for fun, Frank, on a, on a Monday, July 3rd, when you look at Seattle, Justin Schultz, I would assume would have to be one of the pieces in that trade because he's a right shot defenseman, right? He's making three sheets. So he would have to go out. Do you see any other pieces that would be part of that package? So first off, why would San Jose want Justin Schultz? Well, it's a one-year deal, right? Like you're going to have to take some money, don't you think? Yeah, you're going to have to take some, but my point is how do you, if you're the if you are the the Sharks, how do you find pieces of value that you want? And a lot of the guys on the Kraken are between 27 and 33. Yeah. They're not exactly young and you want to get younger. Obviously they're not giving up pieces like veneers or anything like that. You're probably looking at, you mentioned Schultz. I'd say you're probably getting someone like a Will Borgen in the deal. Uh, Maybe you take on one of the goalies that they have. You take on Chris Dreger or something. Um, And then you're looking at picks essentially is what it comes down to. So the Kraken are one of the few teams with the cap space to potentially pull something like that off. And, and to be honest, the Kraken had been on my list for a while in terms of one of the two, three teams that had the capability to do it. I just don't think they're going to pay an arm and a leg to do it is the problem. Yeah. Now they've got Kapanen and Anne McKenzie Blackwood. So I'm not sure if they want Dredger. He's makes more than both of those guys. Um, it's interesting. The Sharks have signed a lot of, you know, like depth D-men, right? Uh, they got Kyle Burrows for three years at 1.1. And, you know, Jacob McDonald, who they acquired last year, and Mizov at 1.2. Like, they got a lot of defensemen at cheap dollars outside of Carlson and Vlasic. So, you know, they, they might want a D-men back in. But to me, I'm with you. Like, I look at San Jose. They're making this trade. It's all about futures. Although they did acquire Anthony Duclair. What do you make of that deal? There's a salary dump by the Panthers. They wanted to try and move on from his contract to find other free agent fits out there. And so when you saw Duclair on the move, 
that's when they went and turned around. And um, so they got Steven Lorenz back. But that's when they turned around and um, and made that signing. I'm trying to find it on my list here. Uh, it was Evan Rodriguez yeah. uh, at the center position. Uh, four years times three million bucks. Essentially, you take um, the cap space from Duclair and you give it to Rodriguez for three additional years. And you also add Steven Lorenz in at the same time, who's a really, I think a really good and underrated fourth line piece. You, the one other team now that has the most cap space remaining, uh, like 20, almost 28 million bucks. So they're not even at the, at the floor. So they got to make some additions here. Uh, they've, they've made two signings thus far. Uh, Alex Killorn, who gets huge money at 6.25, and Radko Gudis, who gets a four-million hit for, for three years. Killorn got can we, four Can years. we pause for a second? Because I want to – you said huge money at 6.25, and I was kind of laughing, tweeting out some of the deals, not making fun of NHL players by any stretch of the imagination. But when you see guys in the NBA signing for $53 million a year, and we're like, that guy got huge money at 6.25, like it's like – we're not even dealing in the same professional sports zip code as what some of these other sports are in. Well, yeah, NBA. I, people always compare the NBA to the NHL because the seasons run the same, but it's you've got you're dealing with a 22 man roster compared to basically like a. I know they have 12 guys in the roster, but really they pay seven or eight, and then the other guys are all on a million dollar salaries. So um, yeah, but, but it is, and their cap number is so much higher. Oh yeah, than what the NHL is for for half the amount of players. Yeah, and they and they well, they got a huge cap. Well, you look at the growth of the NBA, and we could have a whole, and we should we'll do that this summer, Frank. I think it's fair to say, as much as people want to say the owners have made money during Bettman, which is true, but if you look at the mid '90s and where the NBA was compared to the NHL, and now you fast forward today, it's night and day how much growth there's been in the NBA compared to the National Hockey League. And now maybe the NBA just wasn't run properly beforehand because it is a sport that is played by way more people across the globe. So there's that for sure. But I think they've done a better job of growing their game, building their money up compared to the National Hockey League. It's not even close. Yeah. But it was close. Back to the mid-90s, 1994, the New York Rangers win the Stanley Cup. Look at the Sports Illustrated cover. The NHL is hot. The NBA is not. Yeah. And where have we gone since then? <laughs> well, the NHL had another half season lockout and that pretty much sucked all of their momentum right there. And then it's been a steady, the NBA just crushed it. But by N- by NHL standards, Alex Kalorn at 6.25 is pretty big money um, for a guy in, in his mid thirties. Do you see the ducks in any of the uh, leftover UFAs? Would they sign there just on like last year was John Klingberg. Do we see a Vladdy Tarasenko or do you see other players potentially looking to the Ducks to cash in on one-year deals? My understanding was Tarasenko is trying to go to a contender. Yeah, so that's one sense. of his big pushes, especially now it seems like he's not going to get major term and, and dollars. That if he goes somewhere thinking short-term, bigger money, um, that might make some sense. So I, I just when I look through my list, I don't, there's not really many of those guys left. You've got Patrick Kane, you've got Matt Dumba. They moved on from Max Comtois. So that's not happening. And Jonathan Taves, I like, I don't see Kane or Taves going to Anaheim. So 
who are you really going to kind of overpay on a one-year deal if that's what you're trying to do to get them to convince them to to come take a flyer on your team? I could see them going after guys like Oscar Sunquist or you know Dennis Gurianov or Pius, Thomas Pius Tatar. Suter. Yeah, I mean, I think Tatar is better off on a closer to contending team at you know at his age and and what he's able to produce, but. He had a pretty decent year, 20 goals and 48 points. Like he, he's one of those guys that always kind of slips through the cracks, yet there he is, another 20-goal season, another 45 to 55 points. Oh, yeah. No, he's, he's pretty consistent, uh, and, and he scores a lot at five-on-five five too, which, uh, which can be important for some teams. There's no question about it. Um, now let's get to uh, teams that you felt maybe – well, I think the obvious one for me, Frank – the obvious team that stands out in in head scratching where term really wasn't the topic of the day. The New York Islanders decided to bring back the whole gang and just lock them up for forever. Like the Sorokin deal. Okay. That one's excluding. Hey, Sorokin's elite goaltender. Okay, fine. Scott Mayfield gets seven years. Pierre Engvall gets uh gets seven years. Varlamov who's 35 gets a four year deal as a goalie. Like what are the Islanders doing? It's a great question. I thought they had one of the worst off seasons to this point. Like what part of this team doesn't work, doesn't have a chance to win, barely made the playoffs. What part don't they see or get? And I think the Engvall deal is especially confounding. Like, I get that maybe you could say Scott Mayfield, hey, maybe he's at closer to a $5 million level this year, if you want to make the argument. And you say, we're going to sign him to longer term and push that AAV down. Okay, so I get that. But Pierre Engvall, like that contract isn't even tradable. It's not tradable. So, the like you said it so correctly, in a year where term was valued seemingly more than anything else. There were no massive, you know, eight year deals that were handed out aside from, you know, someone like Sorokin, which makes sense. You lock up one of the premier goalies available, but to go seven years on Mayfield and Engvall and then Varlamov at that term, like I just, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it at all. Like not even a little bit. Yeah, no. I'm, They've basically said this is our team for the next four years. Oh, and, and I, they already weren't very good. No, that's that's what I'm floored by. Like, I just, I, I don't, I don't understand it at all. The direction they're going, like they, you know, they had the 17 million and a half on cap space split out between uh, Engball and Mayfield, and you know, like if it was for one year. Maybe even two, be like, okay, no problem. But the minimum is four years. Like the Sorokin deal excluded because to me, he's an elite goaltender and it makes sense. But like, I, I understand they like Varlamov, but you, and their goaltending is not an issue, but they can't score Frank. And after the first few days of free agency, they've done nothing to remotely improve the possibility that they're going to score more goals this coming season. And they still haven't signed Zach Parise. I was going to say, he goals last year. 23 goals last year and he's not resigned. I'm sure he will be, but to think that he can duplicate that number again is probably a little bit far-fetched. Yeah. So 
Not uh, not surprising. So they, the Islanders, I thought, had an atrocious few days, but they were followed pretty closely by the Detroit Red Wings. I agree. I really have a hard time understanding their thought process and how they played this out. So let me read to your read to you the four defensemen that Steve Eiserman has inked to new contracts within the last calendar year. Ben Sherratt, Shane Gostisbehere, Justin Hall, and Jake Wallman. Those guys right there, those four guys, account for almost 15 million bucks on the cap. And they are middling to average or below average players in this league. And when you add in the new deal for James Reimer to come in and be your backup and then spending pretty big to get JT Comfer, I think the new, the Detroit Red Wings are going in the opposite direction. For a team that wants to get closer to competing, I have a hard time envisioning that team going anywhere anytime soon. See, I actually like the Rhymer at 1.5. I think he's a pretty solid backup. That deal, I didn't mind. He's, he's sub 900 again. Like for a guy that was so consistent, and I know he played on a bad team. Yeah, terrible. But team. eight eight ninety last year. Like, where? How's he helping you? Yeah, I, I think if, I watch the Sharks a lot. Trust me. Um, they might have had outside of Eric Carlson, they had the worst defense score in the NHL. I think one of the one of the more questionable defensive systems, to be honest. Um, like I like Jake Wallman. I think Jake Wallman's a guy who's coming. I like Mo Sider, but to me, there Coming, was he's twenty seven. Like where where's he going? Yeah, well, there's lots of guys. He's been a well. fringe NHLer to this point. Yeah, he played really well and, though. And not last. to say that he he can't be a decent defender, but like you know, three times three, four, like that contract was an overpay from jump street. Yeah. Like they, like Daniel sprung there, you know, he had an unreal year in Seattle, no question. And I'll say really, if you look at his career, the guy can score on very limited chances. There's no doubt about it. So, um, but you know, clean costing gets 2 million bucks a year. He's had one decent NHL season at, at 57 games. So, I know that Detroit wanted to get a little bit more aggressive, and that's why I think they brought in uh, Costin. Christian Fisher's a a good bottom six guy at a million bucks. Um, they need Marcus, I mean, Lucas Raymond, excuse me, to take a big step. But to me, it's like Andrew Kopp and JT Comfort. Aren't they the same player? They are. And, yeah. I mean, I'd argue that Kopp is a little bit smarter. Uh, Comfort, a little bit more physically gifted. But in the end, it's it's really not a bad setup if you can go Larkin Cop Comfer or something Larkin Comfer Cop, whatever the number, the order is. Center isn't it's not as big of an issue for them as it was. I, I just I can't get past their defense and their goaltending. Like Billy Huso didn't have a great year. And now you supplant him or support him with Reimer. You know, they've got some really nice pieces on their team. Raymond, Cider, you know, you're thinking at some point that Sebastian Cosa is going to continue to move along and Simon Edvinson will be probably in their lineup next year, if not close. They've got some good things happening, but I think especially with some of the deals that they signed, 
they're just they're spinning you know pardon the pun they're the red wings are spinning their wheels now let's look at competitive teams frank and no a lot not a lot of competitive teams of course in by the way hold on before we move on i did want to say something about the penguins because i thought they had a really tough free agent stretch as well pittsburgh yes yeah i i think um, I like the Graves signing. I, I don't mind that at all. But Tristan Jari getting the term and dollars that he did was really surprising, especially since it was after the market already opened. And I don't know when they got that deal done, but how late in the day it was announced. There was basically no one else that could even afford Jari at that rate on their cap. And it, it almost felt like they were bidding against themselves. But Riley Smith... Decent trade for what they paid, but I'd be real curious to see what he looks like outside of Vegas. They haven't found a way to move on from Mikhail Granlin or Jeff Petrie. Nola Chari, three times two is a lot. Uh, Matt Nieto giving him two years feels like a lot. And I think arguably their worst signing was Lars Eller. Lars Eller is just a worse version of Jeff Carter. He looked last year at the end of the year in Colorado, like he was dead and he gets Lars Eller gets two years times two, four, five. Like I just, maybe I'm missing it. I'm just, I'm not seeing it in Pittsburgh. I don't, how do you take this team and make them more competitive, get them back in the playoffs? I don't know. Good question. See, I, I'm, we probably see it differently on Tristan Jari. I don't mind Tristan Jari as a goalie. I think the Penguins decided that's the guy they were going to keep. They might have looked briefly at others around the league, but we're like, we're going to lock in our guy. He's not that old. And we kind of know what we got as the person, everything else like that. They, they're trying to stay competitive in the final few years of Sidney Crosby's contract, as well as, you know, Malkin and Latang. Right now, Latang, of course, has five years, but Crosby has two years left on his current deal. Malkin has three. And, you know, the Penguins top end guys produced last year. They were very good. Um, they also were super healthy, which is rare for, for Malkin. I'm, I actually look at Pittsburgh's lineup and I like their lineup today way better than Detroit's who, who I thought was a team that maybe with their, all their cap space could push up the lineup. I don't think they have. Um, I do think Buffalo is a team that I really like to, to take a step and be a playoff team next season. But I see the Pittsburgh Penguins, like look what the Islanders did. I see the Penguins, Frank, I won't be surprised if the Penguins finish third in their division. Their top-end guys are still their core, and I agree with you that Lars Eller um, hasn't looked good uh, the last bit, and so they're they're hoping that maybe when he comes back east, he, he has more success, and he's the player that they saw in Washington. But, um, you know, Matt Nieto, hey, he can go to the minors at 900K. That's kind of whatever. Just a guy who kills penalties for you, smart player. Um, Nola Chari's probably a bit rich, but... Um, the Penguins, their bottom six was so bad last year. I think that's where they want to improve. And if I look at their bottom six today, I think it's much better than it was last year. Yeah, I, I guess I could see the argument. Uh, I'm still a little confused about the Alex Nedeljkovic signing. He's at a number that you can't bury in the minors, at least without a cap charge. And if yeah. you felt like you needed to go out and get Nedeljkovic as a third goalie, what does that say about Tristan Jari? Because he's hurt a lot that you felt like you needed to do that unless you're getting rid of Casey to Smith. That's what I think. Yeah, maybe, but where's he going and who's taking him? 
Yeah, it's fun. You know what? It teams I think are looking at goaltending depth maybe different, Frank, than they ever had before. And you they're like three goalies. Need, yeah, our third goalie has to be important. Like, look at Carolina. Look what they they brought back the exact same three guys. Yeah. Now they're different because I think Kochkev still can doesn't require waivers. I think well, that's, I double- that's yeah. Yeah. So. so I get I mean, what do you think of Carolina overall? You add Michael Bunting to the mix. Yeah. Um, you sign Orlov to one of the biggest, you know, AAV tickets out there. He was the number one guy available on the board. I like that so signing because it's only two years, right? Like that's that's kind of in their wheelhouse. They feel they're going to be competitive for two years. The Michael Bunting one is a, a little bit of a head scratcher. Now he's a different type of Carolina Ford. Because to me, you could have put majority of their wingers in the same category, skilled, not overly aggressive, not overly physical. Bunting's a rat on the ice, and I say that in a complimentary way. I think he'll add a little different dimension to their team, but he's another decent but not high-end producer. So at the end of the day, I look at Carolina, I'm like, wow, they got a really good defense core. They got solid options and goal, but they still don't have a game breaker. This is this this is the same thing we've seen for the last three years in Carolina. I don't see anything that's different. And Ajo still needs a new contract. Yeah, for next. Like, he has one year left, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, their D so. is just stacked. Like if you could on so on the left side you can go Slavin, Orlov, Shea, and on the right side you can go Burns, Pesci, and then Chatfield. Oh yeah, they got and the best D in the league. That's as good as it gets. Yeah, I just wonder what Orlov at seven seven five. I know it's only two years, but what does that broadcast to Pesci and Shea and ultimately Slavin? in terms of where their deals go next. Yeah. Well, they're not all coming back. And now Slavin, see, the thing is Slavin's deal expires at the same time as Orloff. I think that's, you know, and Burns, right? So I think they look and say, uh, Jacob Slavin at, uh, when you're 31, which is the same age as Dmitry Orloff, you're getting a significant raise. Well, they also have none of those guys extended beyond these next two seasons. So yes. they could essentially totally reinvent their decor if they wanted to in 2025 yeah so no caroline's actually in a pretty good cap space situation like though they got to sign some guys like i don't think sebastian Ajo they're in an envious spot signing. i think yeah. yeah like i don't think it's that difficult of a re-sign for him right he's 8.4 now does he go up to 9.5 probably right like i don't think it's a crazy number to look for but i just at some point i think carolina is gonna have to give up quantity for quality and be like a three for one, two for one trade where you give up two solid pieces, two really good pieces for one great score. It's hard to do, but at some point that's what they have to do. Cause I just kind of, I, I can't, I was going to, I was going to say, it's kind of amazing how young their forward core still is. Like you've got stall at 34 Fost at 31 and Martin Nook at 30. Pretty much everyone else is somewhere between 22 and 28. Their average age is 25-7. And a lot of their impactful pieces are young guys. Yeah. You know, you look at Natchez, 24, Kotkaniemi, 22, Ajo, 25, Seth Jarvis, 21. Like, they're in a pretty good spot. Oh, yeah, they are. And what's what's interesting is Carolina, if you look at what I call like the top 10 or 12 teams, Frank, who I expect to be there again this year, Carolina and Toronto 
were really the only two that made significant moves. Now, Dallas would be close because they added Duchesne, but that's one guy. Caroline added two. Toronto's added three. And you like you look, Edmonton, now they added Connor Brown on a contract this year that's great, but it does have uh, potential real negative for next year. For next yeah. year. There's no question about that. Like if he plays 10 games, there's 3.25 million in bonus overages. Now, depending, some of that maybe can be saved, but not a lot of it, like maybe a million. So, you know, there's like 2.25 a dead cap space next year. So there's some pressure on them. Vegas, obviously, you know, hasn't done anything. And, and many would argue, hey, they're defending champs. They don't really have to do anything. Tampa hasn't done much, you know, the, other than, you know, they bring in another guy they like at the bottom of the uh, of the lineup um, in Connor Sheary, guys like Luke Glenn Denning, Josh Archibald. They just change around their their fourth line guys because all their top guys are signed. Boston has lost a lot. So far, right? They haven't really added uh, any big names like Lucic comes back, Morgan Geeky, Van Riemsdyk on one year at a million bucks. I actually think that could have a pretty good I like value. that and the Shattenkirk deal. You like you think Shattenkirk will play there? For yeah, for one million bucks. Sure. I'd be surprised. You know what which team I like, Frank, and I think they're on the way up. I really like what Buffalo did. I like well, they continued and exactly. So those two guys were curated selections, both USA hockey guys, both of whom there's been a relationship there um, that just makes sense. And I was going to say, you know, you mentioned uh, Duchesne as best point per dollar. I I think he's going to be challenged by Blake Wheeler. No, oh, at 800K, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that was a really, really good signing for New York. And you know what else I like too? And I don't typically love the player and what, you know, what he is. But they got Eric Gustafson, who had 42 points last year on the back end for 825. I know he played for Peter Laviolette. So there's an understanding there of what he is and isn't. But for 825, like that and Wheeler were two really good pieces of business. Yeah, I look at at Gustafson and, you know, so you have Fox and Lindgren are one pair, right? You have Truban, DeAndre Miller is another pair. Uh, then you've got uh, Braden Schneider, Eric Gustafson, uh, Ben Harper, uh, Connor Mackey to kind of battle it out for your fourth. Um, and, you know, you've, you mentioned the, 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 the Wheeler uh, signing for them. And and you you talked about it lots, Frank. It wasn't any secret, you know. Blake Wheeler, his skill wasn't an issue in in Winnipeg. There were some other things at play there. How do you think he fits in 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 New York? And maybe it's because it's a new team. You come in, whatever. You're probably not as vocal as you were when you were in a team for 12 seasons. But I agree with you that Wheeler at at 800k could definitely give you a lot. But what do you make of all the talk in New York? They want to give their young guys more opportunities. Nothing suggests that, you know, their young guys are going to get more opportunity this year. Well, I mean, so outside of Heedle, who's really earned it? Yeah, well, like... like have, have Kako and Lafreniere earned more opportunity? Yeah, like, like, like Lafreniere's like 19, 16 goals the last two years. Like, it's not awful numbers for a young player. Like, he's, you know... I don't think he ever should have been in the NHL when he was 18. Just my thoughts. But um, like I look at Alexi Lafreniere and I just, I feel like, yeah, you, you, it's like the chicken and the egg. Do you just have to wait till he performs well to give more minutes or do you got to 
a young guy like that's got to feel good about his game. And I'd probably want to start him with more minutes and see what he does. Feels like a make or break year for him. Feels like if this year doesn't pop off that at some point, the Rangers have a decision to make. What are we doing with this guy? No, uh, I, I think more capo cackle than him for sure. But I, I don't know I'm, I'm probably a little bullish on Lafreniere. I don't think he's a number one overall pick. So he has that, that always is attached to him. I'm not sure he'll, he'll be a huge producer, but I do think this guy could easily become a 60 point player. I'm, so I'm not Kako had 18 goals and 40 points last year. Yeah. It's the same thing as Lafreniere. Yeah. Lafreniere the year before I thought was, was better. So that's kind of, he's had two years pretty consistent, right? But yeah, they're both guys. Like you look and say, Hey, you know, can these guys get more power play time? Cause let's be honest, if you want to be a bigger point producer for the most part, you got to get some PP minutes. Hmm. So you mentioned the Connor Brown deal. We talked about Duchesne, talked about the Rangers and Carolina. The other team I wanted to hit on in a good way was the Avalanche. Nothing super splashy in terms of spending, but I really thought that they used their assets quite well in in being able to bring in um, – Ryan Johansson at 4 million bucks for two years, a guy that they know and trust from Chris McFarland's days in Columbus. Um, And the Miles Wood term was pretty surprising, but getting Bowen Byram done was big. There wasn't, there was a, a veiled threat or at least the thought of an offer sheet possibility that put the avalanche on high alert to the point where they really began aggressively at the last end of the draft, trying to get something done with Byram to ensure that the window to do something like that wasn't open for very long on July 1st. And then Ross Colton. um, I like that. I like that a lot. So Jonathan Drewan, one year, 825, like can't go wrong there, at least trying it. I like where the abs are at. I, I still don't think they're as deep as they were two years ago, but look, it's the, um, what did, what did they explain that as the Stanley cup tax? You, you know, you win the Stanley cup and then you have to pay the price with guys that teams really want to have. So it probably could have included Colorado and in the, uh, the contending teams that have made some decent moves. Cause you're right. I, I like the moves they've made. They're not, they're not huge, big signings, but they're quality players. I do want to get your thoughts on another team. That's been a playoff team for the last few years. Um, unable to win a series though. The LA Kings have three goalies with a combined cap hit of 3.375 Phoenix Copley at 1.5 Cam Talbot at one and David Riddich at 875. What do you make of the Kings decision in their direction to go this year with Golden? I think it's incredibly risky. I think neither, uh, none of those three guys is really proven to be capable to carry a team for an 82 game stretch. And I just think when you have a roster that's that good, meaning I think that they're able to compete and contend. All I know is I wouldn't be making the bet that the Kings are. That 
even the deal that Corpusalo signed in Ottawa, a lot of people were like, oh my God, five years. The AAV is really quite reasonable. It's a million bucks less than what Aiden Hill just signed for in Vegas. Oh. Four million a year for, I think, a bona fide starting goalie in the NHL. Like it seems reasonable to me. Maybe you don't want to commit on the term, but like, why wouldn't they have done that instead of just basically doing it on a wing and a hope and a prayer right now? But, but the great question will be, and I'm sure we'll get into Tyler Ramchuk in a second, but when this regular season begins, I'm curious to see what's the line going to be set at games played the most games by one goalie in LA. Does anybody, does one goal even get to 35 starts? With Copley, Talbot, and Riddick, honestly, well, I like I could, Riddick is is just going to be the extra insurance piece that's in the minors, no? Yeah, but I, I look at injuries and everything else, Frank. That's kind of what I'm, you know, injuries. But like, and play Co- like I love the Copley story. Like I think it's a a really good one last year. Yeah, but there's a reason why he's 31 and has never really held down a full time. NHL position except for 2018-19 when he played 27 games. Yeah. Like I think he goes in the season, Frank. He made 37, he played 37 games last year. Um, I got, do you think Kim or Talbot is the day one starter? Like, do you think their plan is for Cam Talbot to be their starter? I think it is for right now. I think okay. you go Talbot 1A. And then 1B, you've got Copley. And then insurance, you've got Riddick. But here's the thing. We know that Cam Talbot really struggled last year to stay healthy. The numbers would seem to indicate that Cam Talbot can bounce back and technically is able to bounce back. I'm just not... I have a question now whether his body will cooperate. And that's really the big one. And... You know, and you that's can why I use that line of 35 games, not not on ability, but on availability. And that's one of the best abilities. Yeah. So it was that was the interesting one to me. The L.A. Kings, you know what? Uh, I look at their team. I think they're a competitive team. I, I think they're a team, though, that's like, hey, you know what? We win with team defense from forwards and defense. And as long as our goaltenders play sound in the system we play they'll be fine. And I think that's what they're betting on. And, you know, it could be a calculated bet. We'll see. It's not like there was some high-end goalies, but obviously they didn't want to pay Corpus Allo the uh, the $4 million and probably didn't want to go term. So they, they looked for a different direction. So I'm I'm fascinated to kind of see where they go. A lot of people felt like, um, oh, geez, they've really uh, improved, you know, with the Dubois trade and stuff like that. And, you know, they re-signed Gavrikov. Uh, Jared Anderson Dolan got, uh, you know, basically a league minimum salary. But, you know, they, I think that, yeah, they also brought back uh, Trevor Lewis as a guy they like on their fourth line. But I'm just – goaltending can – it's not as important as it was four or five years ago, but I still think it's pretty important. So are the Kings better? They traded away three pieces. They got a center. They re-signed Gavrikov. They traded yeah. away John Dersey. Brant Clark is obviously going to be making an impact next season. And their goaltending is a giant question mark. Uh, I'm going to say on the whole, are the Kings better or worse? Honestly, that's a big, it's a great question. I I might have them to be determined. I don't know. Right. Like 
I, there's reasons for me to say I think they are because, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, he's a you know, better player than anyone they had one-on-one. Collectively, though, is the rest of the team better at forward group? That's that's the concern, right? Like, is their third line, can they replace the three guys they traded out? That's, you know, one guy can't replace all three. So um, do they they probably feel maybe they have some internal guys that, that didn't come up and, and get a little bit more ice time for some young players. So we'll see. But you're, their goaltending... Keep in mind, Copley played, I think, 37 games last year, right? Like, they didn't have Corpus Alotel late in the season, and they were a playoff team before he arrived. So I think they feel like, hey, we were a playoff team before he got here. We can be a playoff team without him. And we've improved Pierre-Luc Dubois, and we'll have Gavrikov all season long. So I can see one more Before we get to Tyler, I have one more team to ask you about that I really have – I have the question mark category on my page. What exactly are they and what are they doing? And that's the Nashville Predators. Made some big moves. Signed some key pieces. You've got Ryan O'Reilly down the middle. And you add Luke Shen on the back end at three times 275. Um, Gustav Nyquist. Gustav Nyquist up front. Like, what are the Preds and how competitive are they going to be? So Johansson's gone, Duchesne's gone, and O'Reilly and uh, and Nyquist are are in, right, up front. Defense, now they add Luke Shen. Goaltending's still the same. Um, I'm not sure how I see how they're really any better, to be honest. I I know they've talked about, well, now culture can matter, right? And uh, Ryan O'Reilly is considered one of the best leaders in the league. You know, he's a stand-up quality guy. And that's obviously they're hoping, you know, Barry Trott said they were looking to change their culture. So he would know better the inner workings day to day of his team, but you still need some skill. And I'm not sure the Nashville Predators have enough skill to compete with Dallas, Colorado, um, you know, Edmonton, Vegas, LA, you know, teams like that. So they're going to, they're going to need some big time guy. Like they're going to need Cody glass to, to have a breakout season and, and step up. Cause I, I just look at their, like, who's their top six, honestly, in Nashville. Yeah. So, but here's the thing. They still went and spent $30 million on Saturday. <laughs> I know. And then you look at the age of their defense core, Yossi 33, McDonough 34, Barry 31, Shen 33. Yeah. Like, I think Nashville is a team that's going to try to win low scoring games, Frank. And I think you can do that sometimes because they got an elite goalie at a great price and they got good defense, but you still got to be able to score. And I don't think you can win three, two in the NHL on a regular basis anymore. Used to be able to, I don't think you can anymore. They're going to scrap. I just, I don't know what they are. I'm still trying to figure that out. And maybe we don't know yet. Yeah. Like I, when maybe I look this at, is, maybe these guys are signed just to kind of, paper over and bridge the Preds until they can get the guys that they're drafting now into their yes. lineup and sort okay. of, you know, remain somewhat competitive until then so that you're not totally getting your brains beaten in every night. On paper, I would put them behind Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, St. Louis for sure. And uh, I'll see what Winnipeg does. But if Winnipeg starts the year with Shifley and Hellebuck and the rest of their lineup, I would still put Winnipeg ahead. Agreed. So, yeah, that's – I don't see the Preds. The Preds would have to be a real surprise to me to be a playoff team. Let's bring in uh, Tyler Uremchuk on a Monday. Ty, how you doing? 
What's up, boys? Uh, I've been sitting here while you're recording the beginning of this podcast, stumped on today's Puck Doku. Have you guys started playing that? No. Okay, so I'll show it to you guys on the screen. So it's like a little three by three box, right? So the top level is players who have played for the Panthers, the Avs, and have scored 50 goals in a year. Then the left side is the Rangers, Kings, and Red Wings. So as the things match up, kind of like Sudoku, you got to like try to get players who, uh, who cover both of those areas. Well, so 50 I, goal I scores for Florida. How about Pavel Burry? Yeah, like I, I got a few of them. I'm stumped right now on a couple, but anyways, it's a lot of fun if you go look it what up. What are you stumped on? I'm stumped on players who have played for both the Avs and Rangers and players who have played for the Avs and Rangers. But you can't help me because me and my brother-in-law compete and he listens to the pod. So if he knows oh. you guys are helping me, I'll be in big trouble. So okay. I'll just I'll just put it aside. But it's a fun game if you're a hockey fan and you're looking for like a Wordle-style daily game to kind of get your brain moving. It is it's surprisingly difficult sometimes because it's there's names that should be so obvious that you just can't piece together. You know, anyways, mm-hmm. that's what I've been doing while you guys have been hard at work recording today's podcast. I do have some buyer sell. And is it a 50 goal scorer who played for both? No, you just need a 50 goal oh. scorer who played for like the three teams on the other side. Like when you look at it a little bit, it like oh. matches up in your brain a bit better. What, and where do you uh, get it? What's the website? You just go, just search in Puck Doku, Puck, and then D-O-K-U, and just Google it, and it'll pop up. All right. It's a lot of fun. Uh, all right, buy or sell. Let's start with uh, the top one here. You guys have covered, like, almost the entire league, so uh, we'll just rattle through these here. I'm going to say the Toronto Maple Leafs are better right now than they were at the end of the season. Buy or sell, Frank? Uh, buy. I think, like I said, the easiest way to explain it is Bertuzzi is better than Bunting and Domi is a nice addition and Klingberg will probably help on your first power play and can take some of that heavy lifting off of Morgan Riley. And I think the Leafs are still kind of a work in progress. Like I'm real curious to see what happens next with William Nylander in this contract. If they reach a dead end, does Domi plus Bertuzzi give Brad Tree Living the ultimate flexibility to do whatever he needs, including potentially trading him, that replacement point production from those two guys you think would cover them off from Nylander. So maybe you could then trade Nylander to help you with the right side of your defense. I'm just perfect world spitballing, purely hypothetical and speculation. Just thinking that those two guys they're in a no lose situation. Now you either bring everyone back, including, you know, the core four plus these guys that you've added in, or you pluck one of them off and now you can do something a little different. Toronto's definitely different. Uh, I think they, they've added some grit to their lineup. I know a lot of people were like, what Ryan Reeves three years at 1.3. I think people have to understand the final two years of the deal. He could be buried in the minors. Won't count against the cap caps going up 5 million next year. The, uh, the, the uh, varying number in the minors will be right around 1.3 mil. So, um, you know, and Ryan Reeves, for all the people that don't like him, go look at the teams he plays on. They have success. They win. There's something to having a guy like that. He's a very good glue guy. He's a big personality. He's going to take some pressure uh, days off because the media guys will want to talk to him instead of the other guys. He doesn't mind it. Uh, so it saves them a little bit of that. Uh, he makes everybody around them tougher. Uh, you look at that East, uh, you look at their division, man. 
you got to be physical, like come playoff time. You got to be big and nasty. And so, you know, Reeves isn't going to be your deciding huge changing factor, but I actually like it. Bertuzzi and Domi, two other guys who, who play relatively hard. Um, I like him. The question mark still is like John Klingberg, he's going to help them moving the puck, but do they have tough enough defenders, just pure defenders come playoff time? That's the question I still have in Toronto. I think that that gets addressed. If you're uh, tree limiting, that's addressed at the deadline. Fair enough. Uh, you guys kind of just touched on them, but I had it written down as a question. I'm going to say the Nashville Predators still don't have enough to make the playoffs next year. Buy or sell, Jay? Yeah, buy all day long. I think we talked about it. There. Yeah. I, sorry, Preds fans. I love that city. We had a lot of fun there at the draft <laughs> and the awards, but I don't see him being a player. Uh, yeah, Frank? I'm, I'm going to buy. I just... I still don't know exactly what they are and what their plan is. And that's what I want to find out more on. Obviously the culture piece, getting rid of Johansson and Duchesne was a big part of it. And then you bring in guys that ooze character in O'Reilly and Shen and even Nyquist. He's not a big talker, but someone that leads by example. And I've heard nothing but great things about you understand what Barry Trotz is getting at, but what, What's the competitive factor of it that that's the part I don't really understand? Yeah. Uh, Third one I got written down here for you guys. Uh, The third best team in the Pacific Division is still the LA Kings, despite their uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. Frankie, buying or selling? Um, I will buy. Although I'm going to be really curious to see how Vegas is next year. Is there any cup hangover? Or are they... Were they one team that got extremely hot at the right time or are they just really good? I don't know that we've actually answered that yet. I think Vegas is pretty good. That's four out of six years. They've been in the conference finals. So. Yeah. But then they just took another player off their roster again. Bar- yeah. yeah. Riley Smith. Yeah. Riley Smith. Sure. Um, but B- Barbashev is basically his replacement. He wasn't there all regular season, right? Until the deadline. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but I you mean, still I think, you had two of them in the playoffs. One yeah. of them's gone. But you can add. You can add one. They were. Yeah, like you can add. I think they're. If you look at their starting roster at the start of last season, and look at this year's starting roster, uh, I would say they're pretty much the same team. I think they're going to be very competitive. Um, you know, similar to Edmonton. Edmonton, like basically, Edmonton added Connor Brown in place of Kyler Yamamoto. Right now, they. Yeah. they I don't. I still think Edmonton needs a fourth line center. Uh, I'm not sold that Lane Peterson's that guy. Um, now they don't have any cap space, so it's going to have to be somebody at around seven seventy-five or eight hundred k. But I'd probably take Danton Heinen. Well, not probably in a heartbeat. I, I would be there. So, but Edmonton's improvement, guys, is all coming right here in between their ears. Do they have the commitment to defend and not give up the glaring mistake or goal, easy goal to the opposition? Because their skill level. I'd argue they're one of the most skilled teams in the league. But can they, as Leon Drysaddle said, stop beating themselves? And I think really when you look at management, hey, you bring in Connor Brown, okay, that helps, sure. But ultimately, it's going to be up to Drysaddle, McDavid, Kane, Hyman, Ekholm, Nurse, Bouchard, once he signs, uh, CC, all their main guys, are as a team, can they be better? So um, I'm fascinated by them. Can be. But, like I I still see uh, Edmonton and Vegas as top two teams in that division. Our friends at Patano have the Edmonton Oilers at number one on their list of Stanley Cup odds. Oilers are the betting odds favorites heading or as of right now for next season. Uh, Oilers fans name- are just 
clamoring right now getting in on that. <laughs> uh, one name left in the top 10 of Frank's top 75 free agents, and that is Vlad Tarasenko. I will say the best fit for Tarasenko is the Seattle Kraken team that could be a playoff team next season. And hey, if they're not, and Tarasenko's on a one-year deal, he says, trade me to a contender at the deadline, and it's maybe the best of both worlds there. Frank, you buying or selling? I'm going to sell. I'm going to say the Carolina Hurricanes. Okay. If he's going to take a one-year deal somewhere and it's not really about money, you we just talked about their need for a finisher. He could be a difference maker. He could be their Max Pacioretty that they had last year that didn't pan out because of the injury. We know they're looking at that position. I think he makes sense there. Yeah, um, Seattle definitely has some some spots open, but they kind of have all their remaining top six guys. They they switched out bottom six guys, so um, I'm gonna I have to look at teams with any sort of cap space. So there's there's not an abundance of them that are that oh. are competitive. So outside of Carolina, it's pretty hard. The, the only other one really is if he just slides back into New York, right? Um, if they want him on on a one year deal. Um, I don't think he's going to get big money though, guys. Like I just don't think there's a space there. The, the team actually, I'll say this, the best fit for him, the team that needs a shooter are the Detroit Red Wings on a one-year deal. I'm not sure he'd go there, but that's the team who needs a shooter. Yeah. They still just take, like look at their wingers. Look at the wingers right now in Detroit. Like, yeah, they got their centers lined up, but who are their wingers that they think can score with all these, you know, it's great to have three lines of centers, but if you don't have six wingers then it's kind of a fruitless endeavor. Still $9.8 million in projected cap space for the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, lastly, last name in the top 20 of Frank's list is uh, Patrick Kane. I'm going to say best fit for him, head on home to Buffalo and join the Sabres on a one-year deal. Jack Quinn's out with a long-term injury. I mean, why not? Skinner, Thompson, Cousins, Olafson, Tuck. That's five solid solid forwards. Throw Patty Kane in the mix there next to Dylan Cousins. You might have a hell of a second line. Frank, you buying or selling? Um, I'll buy. Yes. I love the fit. Um, I think he'd also look really good in Colorado. Mm. I think he'd look really good in Vegas, Edmonton. I mean, that's kind of the beauty of things. If you're Patrick Kane is not about money. It's about fit. It's about chance to win. And he could wait until November or December to make a decision and see who's playing really well. And then, decide himself that you didn't need to make a call this week, you know, for seven fifty or a million bucks or whatever he ends up signing for almost any team in the league can fit him. And Buffalo would be great. I think the story is awesome. Um, and by the way, the videos of Patrick Kane progressing in his rehab have been unbelievable to watch taking slap shots already uh, doing lots of stick handling. It seems like he's well on his way uh, to getting back and getting healthy, which is more or less unprecedented for that hip resurfacing. Nicholas Backstrom and others have made it back, but they've never been quite the same. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, I will buy on Buffalo. I actually quite like that fit, but I also agree I don't expect Patrick Kane. I see zero reason for Patrick Kane to sign before the season begins. There's no, there's no reason for him to do it. Right? Like why? Like teams, you know, as Frank alluded to, like, I don't, I don't think he's looking for huge money. He's made huge money. 
Um, he can also sign a one-year deal. And then if he wants to get more money, he can do it next year when the cap goes up, right? Um, he He's going to work hard coming back from his hip injury. But if I'm Patrick Kane, I am not coming back until I am lock solid, 100%. Everything's good. And if that means it's January or February, the guy's played a ton of hockey. Now he's rested. You get into January. Now you got like basically, a, you know, like a free player. Right. It'd be like the orders when they added Evander Kane a few years ago, guys. Right. Basically, it's like a deadline acquisition, but you give up nothing to get him. And Patrick Kane, just look at his track record as a playoff performer. That guy's money in the bank. And I I think there'd be lots of teams clamoring. And then he could just say, "Okay, what's the best fit for me and my family? Buffalo makes sense for a Cinderella story. They Patrick Kane comes in. They make the playoffs for the first time and forever i don't even what is it 12 years i don't even know the last time it is maybe even longer but um you know or you know there's other there'll be other top end teams but i like patrick kane to buffalo i, I like it for the fun story but I also think buffalo buffalo is my team i think they're taking a step yep. this year i like this if i'm if i'm edmonton i'm all over this guy help you well, on the right side well, well I mean, and, you, and you know that Duncan Keith team. would be talking to him all the time right keith's in the organization you can give him all of the behind the scenes the question is does Patrick Kane want to move his family? Well, you know, they're always around, you know, Boston, New York area, or sorry, New York area. Does Buffalo, does he want to move to Edmonton? Maybe it is the chance to play it's with McDavid for, and drive. But if no. it's January, it's for yeah. five months. Like it's so, yeah. e- you can do anything for five months. It's true. Well, maybe so not the Oilers. Oilers and just, just so everyone has some perspective, like this is kind of the opposite situation of Max Pacioretty. Pacioretty signs on July 1, but he told teams that he's not going to be back until December 1. Yeah. So December 1, maybe you get him back sometime in November if you're lucky. But obviously, after a re-rupture, they're not going to rush it. Oh, God. But he still gets $4 bucks essentially. Yeah. That if you think about it over the course of a full seat, it's like he basically got $8 million that's prorated that's how valued he was on the market that his deal was like, I have to sign on July one because there won't be the cap space left for me to get what I need or want after that. And Kane, he's made 120 million bucks and he's like, yeah, whatever. I'm good. Let me wait and and pick a curated selection. Can't wait for the Oilers third line next year to be Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane and Warren Fogle. Uh, All right. That'll be a, that'll be a wrap. I'm not right. sure. Warren, I'm not, Warren Fogle won't be there. Don't worry. Yeah. There you I, go, yeah. I'm not sure Taves. Well, maybe Taves by Christmas time has a better feel, Frank, but I don't get the sense he's going to sign before the start of the season. Do you? Yeah, he's not in any rush. Yeah. Right. Not at all. There you go. That's a wrap on this week's edition of Buyers. I'm going to go back to this damn hockey. Hey, so I'm actually, game. I was doing it while we were talking. Puck Doku. And what's wild about it is it seems like you don't get any, there's no margin for error. You get nine guesses. You have to go nine for nine. Yeah, you got to be that. Yeah, why so I messed up on my first one and I'm like, well, I'm hooped now. Uh, the other ones I was able to kind of rattle off easy. And by the time your brother-in-law listens to this, yeah. he's going to have already known. It'll be the next day's puzzle. But like for some of these, they were super easy. And I got them on the first guess, but like one, you don't even get like one screw, at least in Wordle, you get five. One like what you you don't even get one error. Who fucking nope. made this game? <laughs> it's it's meant to be hard. Like going like eight for nine or seven for it's nine. Meant is to be hard, but score. like at least on Sudoku, like if you fuck up, you can scribble it out. 
This is bullshit. This is number one bullshit. <laughs> uh, well, hey, uh, I uh, I thought I screwed up actually because I I put um, well I was going to put Burry in the fifty goal season, but then I put him in the box where it says um, um, uh, played for Florida and New York, which he did. But I then I can't put him in the. Um, I did the, Keith uh, Yandel for that one. That one was easy. Some of these you just come up with right away, like Panthers, Red Wings, David Booth, uh, Avs, Rangers, Georgiev, Kings, Avs, Rob Blake, Red Wings, Avs, Yui Krupp. Like certain things just like come right to your mind. And then Mm -hmm. like I'm struggling on Kings, Panthers. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a large cross section between Kings and Panthers players? I got to think about this. Yeah. I don't want to give the answer, but I know it. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Well, exactly. There's multiple. And that's the thing. You just, all he has to do is play one game for each one. So there you go. Ty, good luck with that. Uh, Frank, have yourself a good independence day. What's planned? Uh, No plans. Uh, I want to just be a vegetable. These last couple of weeks have been, uh, there's been a lot happening. So um, I, I hit like four o'clock yesterday on Sunday, the second. And I was like, my wife's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I, I, I'm dead. I can't function anymore. I, I need to sleep. Uh, here's one last one for you. Alex Debrinkat. Mm-hmm. What happens with him in Ottawa? Like I said, there's a lot of trade speculation out there. I, I would have to think that with the guys that they signed, Detroit is more or less out of the picture now. I mean, I suppose you could make anything work, but I don't know. I Between Debrinket and, and Hellebuck, it's hard to envision the cap space required to get these guys and sign them. That I just wonder how big the markets are. We will, uh, yeah. I'm, well, I'm curious about arbitration. Would uh, would Ottawa potentially do club elected? Well, they already filed for it. Well, did they file? I didn't miss that. Okay. Well, yeah, they filed for it a couple weeks ago, so they're in. And we'll see. The arbitration list comes out by the uh, players have until the fifth to uh, yep. file their arb case, and we'll see some of that, and then you know we'll kind of go from there. Um, one last one because we got uh, we had people asking me this before. I don't see it happening. Do you see an offer sheet anywhere across the NHL? No. I thought Byram was an interesting candidate. I'm a little curious about Evan Bouchard. I just don't think anyone can really offer enough to really pry the player out of there. And other than that, I think it, I don't know. Yeah, like if you offer sheeted Bouchard at six mil, Frank, the the return isn't enough for Edmonton to walk away. And basically, you're just trying to put the screws to them um, in the salary cap situation, right? That's all. Yeah, you but do it, are you offering yeah. one year at six million? Like, is that? Yeah, like, that's what, probably what it would be. Right? It would be offer. A, you'd have to offer enough to really make them not even think about it. Yeah, well, that's my point, though. Right? Like, if you offer them one year at seven and a half. Now you put in a situation where you have to qualify that player the next year at that, right? Now it doesn't mean you have to sign him or anything like that, but it's, uh, I, it's, I know people think buyout should happen more often, but they're not as simple as just, uh, just go for this. And because if you don't do it high enough, then the team matches and yeah, you put a little bit of the screws to them, but it's, you figure it out 
And uh, then if you, if you do it high enough, you can put yourself in a bad situation. So, so here I did do a little research on Saturday as to some teams that could potentially be in play to do it based on the picks. So if the AAV is between 6.4 and 8.5, these are yeah. the teams that have the draft picks to do it. Anaheim, Arizona, Buffalo, Carolina, Chicago, Detroit, Nashville, Seattle, St. Louis, and Vegas. So Vegas, St. Louis, Detroit, Carolina. Those teams don't even really have the cap space to do it. So you can kind of take them out of the mix too. That that leaves you basically Anaheim, Arizona, Chicago, Nashville, and Seattle. Do any of those teams seem aggressive enough to pull something like that off? Not to me, but maybe we just answered our own question. Yeah, I don't think so. Frankie, happy Independence Day. Happy Independence Day to all of our uh, listeners and viewers. We will uh, chat with you later. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now 
at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.